0: They'll, they'll say, I thought I got past this. I thought I got over this. I thought I dealt with this, and here I am again. Uh, I'm having the, the, me- the memories or the emotions or the feelings or whatever. Recovery doesn't mean you're never going to deal with it again. It means you have the tools. You recognize it. You can continue to move forward.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe
2: fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith.
1: Welcome to Episode 73 of the Carpe Fide Podcast. We're recording live for us and Friday for you when you hear this, so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing tonight. Uh, we have a special id studio guest. Uh, we have Jeremy Stalnecker from the Mighty Oaks Foundation, and uh, and you know how much we uh, we appreciate the veterans that have served and, and how much we love interacting with uh, John Cooper, who's been on several times, um, and and the, the men and women that are willing to lay down their lives in, in service. Uh, for others, uh, much in the way they mirror uh, in, in some fashion, the way Christ has laid down his life for us. Well, the Mighty Oaks Foundation, uh, which I'm barely going to scratch the surface of, and Jeremy's going to do a much better job speaking about than I can, <laughs> uh, it, it bu- is built to uh, minister to uh, active duty Um uh, inactive duty—is that correct? Do you say retired? No, veterans. Yeah, veterans, veterans. Just veterans. <laughs> so, veterans, served, yeah. veterans, active, active duty, and also first responders, um, and and ministering to them and their needs. Uh, so so, Jeremy, welcome, welcome to the Carby Free Day podcast.
0: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's, uh, awesome to be with you. Finally, we've been talking about it for a long time. Oh, so we finally, uh, finally got here. It's awesome.
1: I know. I feel I feel shame because honestly, it's the fact that our lives are chaos over here. As the real well, that real. was
0: not intended to provide shame. to no, you. No, it's, I think, it's uh, okay. Just to, you didn't, I'm just glad it all worked out. That's
1: <laughs> all. <laughs> Whether the shame was intended or not, it may be it may be deserved, and so. Uh, I'll give it to Jesus, because uh, he he did die for my guilt and shame, and I'm very thankful. That is
0: correct. Justin, uh, your, your correct.
2: counseling session's after the podcast. Let's just take <laughs> <keep going>.
1: a <laughs> uh, th- What's really cool about this, this is a East-West Coast connection as far mm. as it can possibly be. Uh, so, so you're hailing to us from the, the, the golden state of California, right?
0: Yeah, we're, uh, right off of, uh, our, our, elections yesterday, so, uh, things are not looking up, but, uh, there's, they're looking, but <laughs> well, yes, well, here well, wait, in Southern California, wait a second. Uh, it's my home, it's my home, it's where I grew up and just kind of learned to deal with it.
1: I, we did, we did, you did, you did get that that recall vote for that George Soros backed DA. So that's a good thing. That was yeah that in was,
0: San Francisco. I'm sure they'll just replace him with someone. Another exactly George Soros like backed yeah. DA. That's correct. Wow. Right. There's no <laughs> but, end to Yeah, line. that was a win. We take what we
1: can get. And look, we got to celebrate the small victories. Just celebrate uh, the small victories. And then, like we always say, if you shrink down California, just shrink it down, and then flip it, we have New Jersey, right? The, it's like <laughs> it's mini, mini mirrored California. <laughs> so. <laughs> So it's California East and California West, um, the big brother and little brother here. And uh, what we're going to do though is, is focus on the gospel. So yeah, if you good. if you're willing to, Jeremy, I'd love to just hear a little bit about you and maybe some of your, your service journey, and uh, sure. that'd be that'd be awesome to get our 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 listeners connected.
0: Yeah. So um, I always start with being raised in a pastor's home, and for those of you. Who are listening? Who are also pastors' kids? You know what a struggle that can be. So, <laughs> raised a pastor's home, and um, watched my mom and dad plant a church when I was uh, pretty young. Um, by the time I was 14, I realized that was not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be in ministry. I wasn't angry at God or anything. I just didn't want to be in ministry. I saw how hard they worked. Um, you know, the bivocational pastor uh, route, which you guys live. I watched my dad do that, where he would work all night, literally come home, sleep for two hours he homeschooled us. He was starting a church. He'd go out visiting. My mom was working all the time. Um, so by the time I was a teenager, I realized that was not for me. Um, so I talked to my dad one day and said, dad, would it be okay if I didn't follow in your footsteps and go into vocational ministry? And he said, son, you need to do exactly what God wants you to do, whatever that is, which is a great answer. And I said, well, I think God wants me to enlist in the Marine Corps. He said, son, there's no way God wants you to enlist in the Marine Corps. That's a horrible idea. Uh, but we talked about it, and he threw some things out in front of me to, I think, kind of steer me away from that. But I persevered and uh, went, to, uh, went to college. I received a criminal justice degree. I thought if I didn't end up staying in the Marine Corps, I'd go into law enforcement. And I was commissioned as a second lieutenant, served as an infantry officer with 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, uh, based out of Camp Pendleton here in California. Uh, it's funny. I, I am in California. I spent most of my life trying to get away, and I just kept ending up back here. And now, uh, now we're here. That's what um, everybody kind of, in New
1: Jersey says, too. <laughs>
0: it, it's, a cr- it's a crazy thing, you know, and all our families here. So I, I can't even get away now. Oh, man. Um, yeah. It's a real Jonah uh, yeah. situation. <laughs> Just keep so, trying to get away. That <laughs> keeps ripping
2: you back. <laughs> Jonah
0: sent the Nineveh. Just kept coming back. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so ended up back here and uh, deployed uh, to Iraq. Uh, it was actually Kuwait in 2003, early 2003, with my battalion. I was an infantry platoon commander, so an infantry battalion. Um, we were the first infantry battalion Marines who entered the country of Iraq. We breached the berm, secured the Southern objective. Um, I always mentioned that the first KIA of the war was one of our lieutenants, Lieutenant Shane Childers was killed, um, during that opening gambit of the war. And then we made our way to Baghdad. Uh, a lot of things had transpired between me going into the Marine Corps and that time. And one of the things that transpired was God got a hold of my heart. My wife and I started going to, uh, a great church. It was a church plant, very small church, um, but it was growing. Amazing things were happening. And um, it's crazy because all I had ever wanted to do was be a Marine and God just turned my heart and I was a Marine doing what I had always wanted to do. <laughs> and then my heart was toward ministry and I just wanted to do that. And so had made a decision prior to deploying to Iraq that I would get out, which I did. So came home from Baghdad, (laughs) uh, retrograded from Baghdad to Kuwait. And I was back home within a month of uh, being in Baghdad, being in Iraq. And uh, a month later after that, I was out of the Marine Corps and working on a church staff. So a really strange kind of transition, Uh, leading Marines in combat, doing what I had always wanted to do to serving on a church staff. And it just did not go very well. Uh, It was 2003. And in 2003, no one was talking about combat trauma or post-traumatic stress or any of the stuff we commonly deal with now, right? So um, I was just so – I tell people I just felt like completely lost. Like I had no understanding of my own identity or who I was or why I was there. From the time I was 14, I wanted to do one thing. I did it. I came home, and now I'm on a church staff just trying to get volunteers to do what they're supposed to do. (laughs) Like I was angry all the time. Um, on an, in, in the infantry world, you can, you know, kind of scream at your coworkers and the one that stops screaming is the one that loses the argument. I tried that in church staff meetings, did not go yeah, very that, well.
1: <laughs> oh, well that's, that's how our elder meetings go actually at our <laughs> church.
0: Uh, that, I've, I've had some church meetings that were like that, but, uh, it's not, it's not, uh, the preferred course. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: that is so fascinating. I never thought about it. Like all the things that we do talk about as far as the, the trauma of service in the military wasn't. A focus in 2003 and as soon as I say anything in the years 2000 it doesn't I don't feel like that was that long ago I mean right. it is I it's you know geez 20 years ago now but that it's so fascinating because it is it's it's a definite topic now yet it wasn't it, it, that back then
0: I did a podcast today with a friend of mine who is the executive director of the biblical counseling coalition Curtis Solomon also a veteran, Mm. has done his, did his doctoral thesis on post-traumatic stress and the faith-based approach to that. And we were talking about exactly that today, that, you know, you can trace PTS or PTSD, you can trace it back really to the Revolutionary War. It, It was called different things over time, but you can trace it back. But there was no help. There was no real understanding. There was no, even from the church, I mean, there was no intervention. It just wasn't something we were dealing with. And literally, I was struggling. I, and I don't, you know, I didn't. I don't want to attribute it to post-traumatic stress or whatever. It was a loss of identity. Call it whatever you want. But I was, a, I was a wreck at home, um, screaming, throwing things, you know, while working on a church staff and um, trying to counsel people and do the rest of it. And it, it was an environment where, while all of that was happening in my life, and I was working on a church staff, my pastor who loved me and still loves me, we're good friends today. All he could do was say, this is not working. You're going to have to go work somewhere else. And, you know, that shook me up enough to finally begin working through the process of um, realizing it was my fault, the things I was doing. It was my responsibility, at least, and I needed to move forward. Ended up staying at that church. I worked there for five years. I pastored a church actually in the San Francisco Bay Area, not in San Francisco, but in the Bay Area. I pastored there for seven years. Um so all of that happened, but part of my process for moving past my service was to just stop talking about or thinking about my service, to put it in the rearview mirror. Um, you know, I always speak figuratively about hanging up the, the uniform in the closet, not coming back to it. 10 years after all of that. So 9-11 happens. We end up deploying. A couple of years later, we go into combat in Iraq. We end up in Baghdad. We retrograde back. I get out 10 years after all of that transpires. One of the Marines I served with reached out to me and said, hey, uh, sir, I, I know you don't you know, really spend time with a lot of Marines. You're not involved in a lot of this, this kind of stuff. But I know some guys. I met a guy who's starting this program it's called Mighty Oaks. Um, he's starting it. He's having a hard time getting veterans to attend. And he said, if I could bring some of our guys, he would do a program for us. Would you be willing to come? And uh, it's funny. He said, I'm not a Christian, but this guy's a Christian. And I know you're a Christian. So maybe it's something you'd be interested in. So, um, yeah, I went to that. I met Chad Robichaux, who's the, the founder of the Mighty Oaks Foundation. He was just getting it off the ground. His story is amazing. He um, came back from uh, six combat deployments to Afghanistan, found Christ. Christ found him. <laughs> he accepted Christ on the other side of all of that, found healing in his trauma, and wanted to share that with the veteran community. So started Mighty Oaks, uh, was having a hard time kind of getting it moving, but, but had everything he needed to do that. We connected I learned from many of the Marines that I had served with about some of the difficulties that a lot of the other guys we had served with had had and, and been a part of. And, uh, Chad and I, Chad asked me to help him kind of develop what was happening. Um, Chad for anyone that knows him is, is really aggressive, uh, very forward looking, but did not have kind of that ministry background of, you know, what curriculum do we use? <laughs> what structure should this be? How do we train? How do we do those things? And so we started working together. I was pastoring at the time. Uh, but over time, um, again, God you know, kind of redirected my heart and brought the ministry piece and the military piece together. And uh, I uh, resigned my church and took on a full time position at Mighty Oaks. And, and that's where we are today. So um, that's a really kind of condensed version, but a lot learned over those years for sure.
2: Yeah, it, it's just such a God story. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yep. this tossing and turning, this coming back and forth and back and forth, and yeah, it's just God yanking us in all sorts of directions, and it's, it's wonderful. And it's, a, it's a wonderful and crazy thing. <laughs> Apart yeah, from the right. growing ministry, which you guys are, are being able to serve um, in,
1: I would like to say that you, it's very interesting to hear this story and to really get it in that context, because... Um, and this is you, you can feel free to mention this again later But I would definitely encourage you guys uh, that are listening that you can listen you can find the Mighty Oaks um, On any podcast if you just search Mighty Oaks any podcast hosting service has the Mighty Oaks on it And you can also find them on YouTube But if you see them like when you hear them on a podcast and you see them interact on YouTube you and and Chad you just you guys mesh you guys do sure. mesh really yeah. well, which is kind of crazy that you know it kind of just so happened that you guys yeah. <laughs> minister together, but you do mesh very well. You kind of you're not the same and and your your differences actually play well together. So just as as just to be encouraged as a list as a listener, I can tell you that definitely is. Yeah, through. No,
0: I appreciate you saying that. It's funny because um, there are probably not two more different people in the world than Chad and myself. Like we just view everything in the world different. Um, yeah. but yeah, God, I think he's used those differences to, to move something forward, which has been, been fun to be a part of for sure.
2: Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I've, I've known Justin for all 30 years of my life and, uh, you know, he's a difficult person to get along with. Yeah, that's, I that's, 100%. Understand that. that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're kind of opposites too. you know, I'm yeah. beautiful. He's yeah. well then, mm. there, then there's the time
1: when you lied on a podcast to Jeremy, like, just like this, that's no. not nice. That's wrong. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he can see, he can see for himself eyes well that 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 gives us a great um a great kind of overview that's a broad i know that's a broad stroke i would again encourage everybody to get connected on on you're listening to the podcast or, or watching on youtube because the stories you're going to hear are absolutely awesome so do you know where the name mighty Oaks comes from then because i'm curious
0: Yeah. So I really, uh, I do know where it comes from. It's funny you said you've never heard us talk about that. And I I was thinking about that when you said that earlier, before we started recording, I'm like, yeah, we don't really talk about that. Um, So uh, Chad will tell the story of, you know, all of this, stuff about starting this organization is, is going through his mind. And again, he's really aggressive. So when he gets something on his, on his mind, it's going to happen. It's just a question of, you know, how fast can he get it to happen? Right. So he's, he's working on this, trying to put a business plan together and reading in his Bible, came across Isaiah 61. So depending on the version of, the Bible that you're reading, it will either say this or not say it. It's kind of funny, actually. When he told me I, the name came from Isaiah 61, I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not in there, but um, but it is, just not in my uh, my old King James, which is what I read most of the time. But uh, I'll read it to you, Isaiah 61, verse number one: The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance upon a uh, vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. And uh, it goes on to appoint to them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. That phrase, trees of righteousness, in some versions, it says uh, oaks of righteousness or mighty oaks or mighty trees. It just depends on where you're reading it. But he said, as I was trying to understand what God wanted us to do, I came across this passage and it talks about uh, binding the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives, opening the prison to them that are bound and out of the ashes, seeing these mighty oaks grow. And, uh, and, and that was it. It's actually a pretty interesting story. So he, he said, you know, I went through all that and um, I, I can't do it justice. But his wife, Kathy, uh, came across the same passage at the same time in a different place. And uh, when they were both kind of having doubts, they compared notes and God had, had kind of revealed this to them and they said, let's go for it. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. The Mighty Oaks Foundation. That's where it came from.
1: Well, it's clearly a divinely appointed name then. Yeah. A hundred percent.
0: Well, and it reflects so well, I think, you know, what we've seen happen over the years. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome.
1: It, uh, you're you're reading it and i'm just thinking of the testimonies that i've heard you guys you know be able to share in yeah. and uh yeah i'm like yeah all all of that like that's yeah. that's perfect um so how about how about a brief overview what what is the mighty oaks foundation what yeah. exactly do you guys do
0: yeah what exactly do we do so in a nutshell as you mentioned in the opening we serve uh veterans those who have served active duty service members those who are currently serving Uh, the first responders community, which is, you know, pretty broad, but Mm -hmm. for us, most of the time, it means police officers and firefighters and then spouses. So we kind of throw spouses uh, in there as their own separate category. If you are a spouse of a veteran and active duty service member or first responder, uh, you're welcome to attend one of our programs. And um, really in the early days when we started, so this was uh, 11 years ago, the war was, you know, hot and heavy. A lot of veterans, those who had served, were coming back from multiple deployments and really didn't have anywhere to go. So the, the heart of Mighty Oaks beginning was taking these men and women who have served, who've been in combat, who are experiencing trauma as a result of that combat, and to help them understand that God has a plan for them. He created them. He has a plan for their lives. And that although the past won't change, the memories won't go away, what happened to them will still have happened to them. There can be and is healing found in aligning your life with the life God created you to live. So that's where we started over the years. Things have changed in terms of the, the combat picture. Um, but what hasn't changed is trauma. Trauma is not reserved for those who've served in combat. Trauma is something that's common to all of us. I, mean, I could go through many biblical examples, as you guys could, of those who dealt with severe trauma. And I'm sure <laughs> uh, if we thought about some of these stories and then looked at the consequence, if we superimposed an understanding of trauma over them, we'd see it. Yep. And, and that's, that's the human condition. And so even though, you know, some of the combat stuff has, has slowed down, it hasn't stopped, but has slowed down. Uh, so many of the men and women who serve our country, have served our country, are serving in their communities, are dealing with trauma. It's, it's crazy. So I, didn't, I just didn't understand this until I got involved in, in what I'm doing. In fact, I, I remember years ago, people would ask me, uh, do you think PTSD is real? Do you think post traumatic stress disorder is real? And, and I, I would always, even with my own history and what I had been through, I would say no. It's just people who are, you know, they need a label, right? Um, what, what, I've, what I've come to understand, first of all, is that it, it is real. I don't believe it's a disorder, but post traumatic stress, you know, post trauma stress is real. But most of the people that we've dealt with, even those who would point to combat trauma as the reason they're struggling or suffering, Most of the people we uh, deal with and try to help are dealing with some other trauma, childhood trauma, sexual trauma, uh, relationship trauma, and their service in the military brought that to the surface. It exacerbated it, but it didn't create it. And so we continue to work with men and women who um, are struggling and have struggled. Uh, We we do that a couple of different ways. The primary vehicle for us is what we call our legacy program. It's a a week-long program, uh, five days um, where a man or a woman, we have men's programs and women's programs, a man or a woman will come to one of our facilities across the country. They'll spend a week with us. And uh, it's funny, we'll, we'll talk about it as a trauma program. We have uh, about 45 minutes where we focus on trauma. The rest of it is, is spent focusing on understanding that God has a plan for you. And if you'll align to God's plan for your life, then the chains that have had you bound will no longer bind you and you can move forward. And, and uh, man, God has worked in an amazing way. We have um, leadership on those at at each one of those sessions who have all been through our program. All of our leaders have come as students. They've come through a long leadership training process and they're leading now the sessions. So they're teaching classes, they're leading small groups, which breaks down the barrier of, you don't know where I've been. And uh, really it's just about, uh, understanding that trauma is real, that life is sometimes very difficult, but that you can move forward. So, um, it's been amazing to see, we've again done this for about 11 years now, we've had over 4,000 graduates come through one of those week long programs. And it's just been amazing to see what God does. Um, thousands of salvations, folks giving their lives to Christ, uh, many who would have made a profession of faith before that, um, terminology is, is funny from one group to another but re- <laughs> re-engaging with that faith or uh, however you would you would say that and uh, it's been just an amazing thing to see families restored and and all of the kind of the stuff that you talked about um, so that's our main program and then we do resiliency teaching or training spiritual resiliency we go to active duty military bases speaking conferences um, on the subject of spiritual resiliency what does it mean to be spiritually resilient and how can you be spiritually resilient and so um, yeah, that's what we do. We're all over the country and, and uh, we have a women's program going on right now, as, as a matter of fact. So a lot of good things happening.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, that, that is really cool. It's, it's funny that you uh, earlier, you mentioned uh, Curtis Solomon. I actually heard him speak at uh CCEF at one of the CCF conferences oh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. I work in the emergency department. I'm an emergency department nurse, and it's not considered a first responder, but we see our fair share of yeah, terrible, of horrible things. But uh, so I, I attended his session, and that that, that was cool. It was cool to hear that name come up again because it, yeah. it was a fantastic. His talk was actually on resiliency, and um, you know, you you mentioned it just now, but uh, there's a breakdown of uh, resiliency and recovery, yes. right? That's, that's yeah. common terminology in in the in the work that you guys are doing. Can you uh, can you like define those terms and then and then what is the focus uh, r- regarding those definitions for Mighty Oaks and for the people who attend?
0: Define the terms resiliency and what's the other recovery Re- recovery recovery yeah. Um, so resiliency, very simply, is having the ability to bounce back. Right, that's a very trite way to say it, but it's a very simple way to say it. If you are a resilient person. It means that you can go through the difficulties, the trials, the traumas, the obstacles of life and get knocked down. This is figurative. <laughs> but because you have already built within yourself what you need, you understand where you're going. You have a true north. Even though you've gotten knocked down, you can get back up or bounce back up. Maybe it's a, a hard walk back up right. and align, realign to that true north, to what's in front of you. Um, there's, there's a great quote. i, I I love it from a book that is out of print. You can find it. Um, uh, Winston Churchill's personal physician, Lord Moran, he spent a lot of time with Winston Churchill. He was with him until he died, but he was a physician and served as a surgeon in World War I, in the trench warfare of World War One. He watched what was happening there and he evaluated why it was that some people were courageous in spite of all that was going on and some were not. And he asked himself, what's the difference? He wrote a book in the 40s called The Anatomy of Courage. And it's, it's an interesting read for me because it really deals with post-traumatic stress, although that wasn't a phrase. That wasn't what he called it. But in that, he sums up courage. Uh, he, he made this statement, and I love this statement, and this speaks to resiliency. He said, a man of character in peace is a man of courage in war. A man of character in peace is a man of courage in war. And to me, there's no better statement that sums up what it is to be resilient. It's someone who has made decisions before the trouble. It's someone who has built within them, I would say, you know, in our context, the spiritual disciplines and understanding of who they are before God, who they're not in light of God. Yeah, yeah. They understand this prior to whatever difficulty comes into their life. And so when they deal with that difficulty, they're that man of character and peace. They become that man or that person of courage and war. They're able to respond and continue forward. We see this all the time as a pastor, you know, helping folks who have lost loved ones, so many situations. Uh, We all have situations like this, but you see some people that absolutely fall apart and some people that are absolutely broken because of what's happened, but they continue, um, moving forward. They trust God. They've got faith in God. They understand what they were created to do and, and be, um, I know we don't have a lot of time, but when I was pastoring, um, there was a school shooting, a college campus shooting where I was pastoring. One of the young ladies in our church was killed. She was 21 years old, single mom. Um, I was actually called to the scene. They couldn't find her. Long story, ended up spending a lot of time with that family. The family was a Filipino family, is a Filipino family, very faithful in our church. The ambassadors, the Filipino ambassadors from San Francisco came down to comfort them. And this dad, whose daughter had just been murdered, was sitting in a room. I was sitting across from him. And in the heartbreak and the tears, he asked this ambassador, are you a Christian? Do you have a relationship with God? You need to have a relationship with God. And he started to really present the gospel to this guy. And when I think of resiliency, that's what I think about. Mm. Um, That's phenomenal. In spite of the hurt, in spite of the brokenness, you continue moving forward. So that's resiliency um, to me. Um, that's such a, re-
1: such a great quote. I just keep looking at this quote. It's like, that's such a great quote because without courage, you can't actually, you know, live out any of the other virtues that would be, you know, virtues of a great character. Right. So having that character in peace allows you to have the courage to maintain it through war. That's great. It's a great quote. Sorry.
0: Yeah. And, and, and to that, right, uh, resiliency is built uh, not in the struggle, although the struggle can fortify that. Um, truly resilient people invest before the struggle. And I think that's significant for parents. That's significant for, um, you know, us as individuals. Why do you go through the spiritual disciplines? Well, because, you know, God builds that in us. Right. Um could talk about that all done, all, all night, but the, <laughs> Dave, the other amen. one is, is recovery. To, to me, recovery is, you know, similar resiliency uh, or being resilient, but recovery is moving from, you know, brokenness to wholeness, from hopelessness to hope, from purposelessness to purpose. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, again, not getting over the trauma of your past or getting over what has happened to you. We use those kind of silly phrases. You need to get over it. You need to move past it. You never get over some of that stuff. You never really you know, move past it. It's just that you recognize that it is a part of who you are. In fact, it's a very important part of who you are. You allow God to use that in your life. And so often God leverages that to be a blessing to others. And then you start to move forward in a meaningful way again, for his purpose and not your own. And to me, that's what recovery looks like. I've talked to so many people who they'll, they'll say, I thought I got past this. I thought I got over this. I thought I dealt with this. And here I am again. Uh, I'm having the, the, me- the memories or the emotions or the feelings or whatever. Maybe that means it never happened. I never got over it. Recovery doesn't mean you're never going to deal with it again. It means you have the tools, you recognize it, you can continue to move forward. And you just allow God to do the work in your life that He wants you to do. Um, You know, people like to use the phrase brokenness. It's kind of popular in in Christianity to talk about being so broken. Um, God doesn't allow us to be broken. If we're in Christ, we are a new creation, and you know that (laughs) that doesn't speak to brokenness unless it's brokenness of spirit, I guess, and being humble to God. But we're not broken. We're absolutely whole. We're completely dependent on God. That's true. Because we recognize who we are and who he is, um, but we're not broken. And I think that's recovery. It's recognizing I need God, but God's going to do the work in me that he wants to do. And I'm going to continue moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. Brokenness is definitely much more of an understanding of sin. Like sin breaks us. It's the sin that makes us broken. And when God redeems us. You're t- I mean, everything you're saying is redemption. It's all redemption. It, That's God, right. God Absolutely. buys Absolutely. it back, right? He yep. buys it back and, and right. uses it for his glory. It's now his because yep. he has purchased it in you. That's, it's it's yep. awesome. That is Absolutely. awesome. Um, you've kind of touched on this, but, I mean, you're doing a great job of going into details on all these things. So I don't know why we would stop you. Um, you had said on one of the podcasts, I just I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it that the idea of Mighty Oaks actually this actually this may have been Chad Chad may have said this. It's okay. But either way, you you'll be able to handle this. I, I have I have confidence in you.
0: <laughs> I'll do my best.
1: <laughs> that Mighty Oaks was established on a foundation of faith. And my my question here becomes uh why? Why is it a foundation of faith? Because I know there's so much in our world that is just this ambiguous spirit yeah. mumbo jumbo spirituality, everybody's spiritual. Um, so, so is that foundation of faith something that has, you know, that, that's tangibly a specific faith? I mean, you've kind yeah. of already touched on this, but I think it's, I think it's important to highlight <laughs> the reality.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So this is a really important question because when we talk about our organization, um, okay, so <laughs> we are a 501c3, we're a nonprofit, right? And right. so, the way we position ourselves as such is we are a, a nonprofit that works with veterans, active duty service members and first responders and approach the subject of trauma from a faith-based position. So that's how we would say it. Right. But as you said, that means so many different things to so many different people. And what is faith-based? Um, when someone attends our program, we, we work with a lot of active duty. This is where I was going with that. We work with a lot of active duty folks. We go on bases and we do, Um, a lot of incredible things. God's opened some incredible doors, and so we keep it almost intentionally vague uh, until we're able to get in front of people. But when it comes to our program, a foundation of faith means an understanding of who God is, an understanding of our need for God, an understanding that we are broken, as you mentioned, because of sin, that we are redeemed by what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, that Jesus is God, that He died, (laughs) that He rose again, And that he is the only way that we can experience salvation, redemption, and that wholeness. That's what it means to me. And that's what it means to us when we talk about a foundation of faith. If you have that foundation to operate from, then going back to resiliency, uh, it doesn't matter really what else has happened in your life or is happening in your life. If you're standing on that foundation, you know who God is, you know who you are, you're dealing with those identity issues that are so central to the struggles that. Uh, I would imagine everyone has, but certainly veterans have, those who have served and are dealing with trauma. So much of it is identity. When your identity is found in Christ and you understand that you're on that foundation of faith, now you can think clearly and uh, make the right decisions to move into what God created you to do. It's interesting because, you know, we walk kind of side by side with the clinical world and the clinical community. Uh, One of the reasons I love Curtis Solomon, and, and, and he's a biblical counselor. He has a PhD in biblical counseling. He understands that. <laughs> he also worked for the VA for a while. He served in the military. We had this conversation today about the differences between the clinical approach and the faith-focused approach. But what we would do is say, look, there are clinical things. There are therapies or even medications that can help you. Um, doctors are helpful. But you need to start with the foundation of faith, <laughs> where right. the clinical world would say, You need to start with therapies, and you need to start with medications. And if faith is helpful somewhere along the way, we can throw that in too. The one thing that cannot be changed or altered for us is a foundation of faith, and then we can move from there. Um, It's the Holy Spirit of God working in us. It's the truth of the Word of God that guides us. It's the community that we surround ourselves with as Christians. Those are what allow us to experience recovery and, and wholeness in our lives.
2: Yeah, that, that needs a round of applause, I think, definitely, I think 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, as you were talking about about the concept of resiliency, I mean, it just, in my mind, it kept kind of coming back like, this is a distinctly Christian characteristic. Right, right? absolutely. If, if your worldview is based on yep. anything else other yep. than the solid foundation of, of Christ and his work, you you are only dealing with superficial helps at that point you're not getting to the root of the root of true, um, healing. Yeah. You're talking
1: so. subjectivity versus objectivity. Uh, uh, that foundation of faith is an objective thing. It doesn't change. Yeah. It's not shifting. It will not, it will not give out. Um, yeah. and that's, that's what's so, so awesome. I just kept you're saying <laughs> the idea of the clinical side, you know, we're going to work. We're going to add this behavior modification. We're going to add this medic right. med- medication. Right. And you know, I mean, if if faith would supplement that, you know, maybe there's a f- way that faith might supplement that. Sure. Where,
0: what you, what kind of? You need have a higher power, right? <laughs> you need to have something outside of yourself. Yes, whatever yes, that is.
1: Yes. And a, high, a higher power, like a like a, you know, a sky unicorn or something. <laughs> right. That grants your wishes or something. Yeah. Um. It's just so yeah. Uh, it's so, it's so silly. Oh my gosh, we put so much faith. Like, how long does behavior modification last? Like, wh- what uh, a week, 10 weeks, uh, four years. But at the end of the day, it's only going to last as long as that you've, you've adjusted a behavior, right? And then it's gone. And then what are you left with? Oh my gosh, it did not work at all. It completely failed me. But if you have that, that sure foundation in Jesus Christ, that is just, that is phenomenal.
0: And, and, and it puts everything in perspective, right? And again, this isn't about veteran or whatever. This is about human. Hmm. If you understand who God is and who you are, you know, before him and in Christ. That's why I like that contrast between Romans 7 and Romans 8, where Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death. Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The, the contrast there is so important because it, it sets the world right. Things are a mess. Things are broken. I'm broken. I've made bad decisions. My relationships, therefore, are broken. Nothing's right. Nothing's right. This thing happened to me, I don't understand it. The only way to set the world right is to understand who God is, what he intended, where we fit. All, all the things that you know, you would know and that all of us would talk to.
1: Yep, amen. With
0: a person who's struggling, but uh, without that foundation, none of the rest of it makes sense. It doesn't mean you can't get help, but as you mentioned, it's only temporary at best. <laughs> mm. And even if it lasts for the rest of your life, it's not eternal. It's it's a temporary help.
1: Oh my gosh, I don't know that this is literally the perfect segue uh, to this question. Uh, on the podcast, I've heard you guys talk about how eternity is in the hands of God and mm-hmm. and how that that somehow is actually important to your concepts of resiliency and recovery. So I, and I, it's it seems like a foreign idea, but but when you guys talk about it, it definitely makes sense. Because what we look what we're what we're seeing seems like this very temporal crisis, right? It's this these issues are right in front of us. they're very they're very temporal they, they exist in this time and we even go in and out of them right We, we experience we're, we're having a, a, a bout a struggle with a trauma now, but yeah. then you know in two days actually I feel a little better, but then it's right back on top of us. So when you guys talk about eternity being in the hands of God and how that's actually important, um, mm. how does how does it or why does it apply? Uh, to these temporal crises.
0: Yeah. For, for anyone anywhere who denies the sovereignty of God, and you know, we could argue about what exactly sovereignty is. We may have different, you know, specific definitions of what that means or how sovereign or whatever, but for completely and totally,
1: absolutely. Just to be clear. That's what it means. Go ahead. You were saying,
0: (laughs) but for someone who denies that there is a sovereign God, a God who has a plan, who is in control, and will see his plan come to pass. If you deny that, how can you possibly have peace on this earth? Because there's no one in control. There's not a plan. Um, what I'm dealing with right now, where I'm standing right now, this is my entire reality. There's nothing else. And so why would I not, as you know, the Bible admonishes, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. There's nothing beyond this. And so the concept of God's sovereignty, and again, the, the drum we beat over the entire length of our program is God is. And if God is, then there's a plan. He's the creator. He has a plan. And if we'll just get in line with that, then we'll be able to move forward. It doesn't mean we'll have all the answers. It doesn't mean we can fix every problem. It doesn't mean we have to. Why do I have to know everything? Why do I have to understand everything? Well, because it's all about me. And when we realize Uh God wants us to work, he wants us to do, Mm -hmm. but he guides and he directs. It's all about him and not about us. (laughs) The pressure that removes, that's how we're able to experience peace in the storm. I mean, that's the peace that passes understanding.
1: Mm. That is phenomenal. So true. 100%. So true. Wow, I thought you were going to say something profound there. No, you were... No, it's just true. I mean, you're is. amening. Uh-huh. I'm amening. I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, sovereignty I mean, is, you know, and again, you don't even have to use that word, but it's just understanding that God is in control and I'm not God. And God being in control may not look the way that I think it will look, but uh, I know that he has an ultimate plan. Um, it just changes. It changes everything.
1: Man, I didn't know. I didn't know. we were. Gonna, I didn't know. That over in California sovereignty meant something different. I didn't know that there was levels of sovereignty, <laughs> but <laughs> you <laughs> I don't think
0: ta- it's California, probably. Are you, but are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> so you're just
1: talking about um, Kuiper's sphere sovereignty that there's different <laughs> spheres of sovereignty. I, I understand, but sovereignty itself is you know it's it's sovereign. So
0: it's sovereign. God is sovereign, <laughs> and what He allows us to do is up to Him, but He is in control, even That's of right, us. Right.
1: Yep. Obey. Right. He calls us to obedience. He Fa- calls us to follow obedience. Follow me in obedience. That's
0: right. Amen. Um,
1: it's funny because you just kind of answered. <laughs> you answered it because the, the, one of the things I wanted to ask you was you, you talk about how sovereign sov- be, God being sovereignty, His sovereignty is a healing truth just in and of itself. Mm. Yeah. Um, and and I was going to ask you how that's healing, but I think you kind of just did <laughs> talk about that. It's so uh, it's so true. It's so true. Uh, I I've been learning. I don't know if this will resonate at all, but I've just been learning. He's been teaching me holiness, like like ramming into my 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 yeah. small little human brain that he is holy and I don't understand that. Yeah. Um yeah. and and that level of holiness that we keep ascribing to God is always tarnished by our view of of worldly kindness, right? Not grounded mm-hmm. in truth. Like mm-hmm. God is holy, but he's not that holy, right? And then you go back and you you read Israel, you, you read Genesis and Exodus, you read Leviticus, you walk through Judges, you walk you walk through these books, right? You see Joshua, you see how God dealt with sin. And you're reminded that God is holy in a way that I don't comprehend. Yeah. And I need to be careful how I start to think about what what I think God would think, right? Yeah. What God would think of something, right? And and that holiness um actually it, it does I think even understanding God's holiness through the blood of Christ, like you keep speaking about that brings this healing is so amazing that God would count me righteous in the face of that level
0: of holiness. It, um, it It's, it's absolutely true. And even if you begin to understand a concept like God's holiness or God's sovereignty, it, it just, it changes the way you view the world. Hmm. I, I sometimes tell the story of when I first like really had an encounter with God is sovereign and I'm not um, was in Iraq. I, I had been a, Christian, I accepted Christ as a young person. I I knew the answers straight to all the questions. We had this incredible firefight. I won't tell the whole story, but this crazy firefight. On the other side of it, I had this like overwhelming feeling that God is God, and I'm not God. That the enemy doesn't care who I am, where I came from, what I look like, where I went to school. Enemy doesn't care. The enemy's trying to kill me, and I can't control that. What I can control is what God allows me to control. What He puts in my hands. Everything else is his. And when I look at our program, I, I think of it in very much the same way. What we try to communicate is God is God and you're not, hmm. but you have some responsibilities. So instead of worrying about all of the things you can't control, why did this happen? And and why am I dealing with this? And why do I feel this way? We will talk about those things. We'll try to unpack those. We'll support through that. But what you need to focus on is what God has given you to do. Focus on your responsibility. And then just trust that God will be God the peace that comes from that is is unbelievable God is holy it, it, it's he's beyond our comprehension and that's okay yeah because we're not God
1: yep amen so just
0: be faithful and obedient yeah
1: <laughs> amen and yet he saved us oh it's so it's so overwhelming yeah <laughs> so do you do you want to ask the next question you want me to do it? no sure I
2: got him so, um, one of the things, I mean, it's something that actually runs in my mind often when we think of like uh, like larger like ministries that uh, appeal to a lot of a lot of people or a larger demographic of people, um, and that is that. Um, so, like. It, this is a this is clearly a a, a faith based program a, a Christian program in, right, in its right. essence and totality. Do do you accept people from other faiths or or yeah. atheists or or do you accept anyone into these programs knowing that it's a faith based program? And um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and and how do you challenge if you do? How do you challenge them uh, in, in their belief? How do you come alongside them to to help see the truth?
0: Yeah, that's one of probably my favorite parts of our program over the years has been having um, you know, men and women attend who might on the front end say, I don't believe in God. Um, or if I do believe in God, I'm angry at God or I hate God or, you know, whatever we are a faith based program. We're a Christian program, but you know, by and large, the people who attend our program are not Christians and it's crazy. They come because they have nowhere else to go. Perhaps they've tried the other clinical programs. They've tried the other things they didn't find anything that would work for them, uh, or someone in their life is pushing them toward us, or because we're not a clinical program and they're still working, they can attend our program and get help without it impacting their job as a police officer, or you know if they're active duty, and so this is a good option for them. So they 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 show up and we have the same talk every single time. You know, welcome. We're glad you're here, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, we are thankful for veterans. We love veterans, but this is not a week of us telling you how grateful we are for you. We've all served. Uh, we're here to help you, not to you know, thank you for your service. We're here to help. We understand that not everyone here believes the way that we believe, and we're not going to make you believe anything you don't want to believe. But what we ask is that you contrast your life, the way that you're living, with the life that we're going to present. So listen to what we say with an open mind, and just contrast it. Contrast what's being said with the life you're living, and we'll get to the other end of this week, and we can talk about um, you know the conclusions that you've come to. It's 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 crazy. You have to be respectful. So if someone doesn't like what we do, that's fine, but they have to be respectful. Most right. people are. In a lot of years of doing this, we've had a few that aren't, but a few, I mean, two or three. Uh, Most people are, even if they'll just sit there and be quiet, right? They don't have anywhere else to go. Plus, our locations are all in beautiful places. There are nice things to do there. The food is good. So it's it's a week. They can deal with that. But what's nuts is Monday, we've got a lot of angry people. They heard what we had to say. They've all decided by and large, this is not for them. They'd go home if they could. But since you know we control the keys to the van to get back to the airport they can't so they're going to have to deal with this um tuesday they listen to what we have to say typically by wednesday afternoon or evening there is a complete shift of temperature in the location where the location is um the the students have through the teaching through the small groups through hours and hours of conversations uh they've come to understand at least if they haven't given their lives to christ they've come to understand that the way they've been living is not what they were created to do. It's, it's mm. un, Unless you've seen it, it's, it's very hard to describe, but that was a long answer to a short question. No, <laughs> you don't have to be a Christian to attend our program. In fact, um, perhaps one of the greatest blessings of being a part of Mighty Oaks is that we've seen uh, literally thousands of people give their lives to Christ because they came not knowing what they needed, uh, trying to get away from home, trying to get away from some other program, get off work for a week. And they were challenged every single day <laughs> to mm-hmm. look at their life in contrast with what God created them to do and to be. Praise God. Praise yeah. God.
1: Praise God for that work. That uh, the episode with when you interviewed Brandon, I believe was his name. Yeah, uh, and and he was saying how he had this realization that he was he was set to go. He was he was he was going to yeah. be there, and he realized, oh wait, this is a Christian program, right. an <laughs> right. and he's calling. Right, yeah. he said. I'm, I'm emailing. I'm calling. I finally got a hold of one of the admins, and I said, "Look, you guys are a Christian organization. I, I'm an atheist. I just wanted to make sure you guys." And he's like, "Oh no, no, we know. We saw that on your application. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, no big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. come on down." <laughs> uh, and the fact yeah. that, uh, and I may, I want to make sure I have this right. You guys uh, actually uh, get transportation to the venue for, yeah, uh, for the the service member, and, and that is, that is so. You just basically is what you just strived to be is literally you've, you've created a captive audience. Yeah. <laughs> so it's
0: awesome. crazy. Is like in the early days when we were just kind of starting, right. There was a lot of pushback, particularly from the active duty community about the faith piece. And people would say, if you keep doing this Jesus thing, then, then you're never going to have anyone attend. And it's been the complete opposite of that. I mean, we've, <laughs> we've spoken to, I think. Almost 200,000, I don't know what the exact number is, um, active duty service members over 11 years who we go to speak on spiritual resiliency, and it's really just us giving our testimony, right? And it's so it's so it's pretty crazy. God's blessed that. But But in those early years, we had a website, but it didn't say anything about Jesus or faith or Bible or anything. It was like, we've got a program and you should come to it. That was kind of the whole website, right? <laughs> and so we, every single program, half the people there were like, wait a second. This is a Christian thing. Like, yeah, sorry. I don't know you what to tell you, but you Jesus can't leave. Guys? You're here this week. <laughs> it's a Jesus so now, now, it's, now it's super clear. I don't know how anyone could not know it now. Um, Although we still have people often who are like, I, I just didn't look at the website or the link <laughs> to the application was sent to me. I never saw it. And yes, we provide transportation. So part of what we do is we uh, pay the cost of the program. We pay the cost of travel And we do all the logistics, so all the planning. We purchase the airline ticket. We arrange transportation to and from the airport. And uh, we do all of that because um, veterans aren't always the nicest people to play with. And so uh, (laughs) we do our best to remove every possible obstacle and get them there, even when they may not want to be there. It's uh, ingenious. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's pretty simple, yeah. Uh,
1: I love that. I also love the idea of you going on to... Uh, you know, a base for some speaking venue as a, a, a faith-based quote unquote organization. Yeah. And also we're now going to evangelize <laughs> <you> <laughs> towards Jesus.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been amazing to see. And I'll tell you one of the things about this problem of suicide and trauma being so bad, one of the blessings of that, one of the good things has been that unit commanders are going outside of the larger chain of command. And they're coming to us, these company commanders, battalion commanders, and saying, "I don't care what you do, but we need help. Can yeah. you come and, and and talk to that?" And it's been it's been great. The doors that have opened.
1: And I mean, it's it's it is it is an overwhelming reality to to know how many uh, veterans and servicemen walk yeah. towards suicide. Yeah. It is a uh, it is overwhelming. Um, and, and to realize that that is, that is essentially, uh, you know, one of the leading cause, particularly for law enforcement, um, since there's not as much active combat there, that's the leading, the leading cause of death for them ends up being suicide. When you look at it almost, it's, it's, it's an overwhelming thought. Um, and and that's because, and, and it's, it's probably one of the, this is probably my biggest indictment of culture. We, we forget that, that what those in the military, in, in law enforcement, Right. What first responders see is is the thing that we don't have to see and we'll never see in most cases. Right. right. Um And they see it and they can't they can't not see it. And without any filter to process that the level of despair and hopelessness that is there. Which is why I would tell anyone that ever sees a person that has served in the military, wherever they are, <laughs> I don't care if they're getting a soda, if they're having a meal, if they're buying their groceries, do something for them. Because yeah. you didn't have to see and do what they did because they did it, because they saw it. Um, and just to think about someone without – I can't imagine without the objective source of hope that yeah. I have. Yeah. I don't know how you – I I can't fathom – how to walk through that? Yeah. Um, it's 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 an over it's overwhelming to to understand that to carry that without without Christ.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I I think certainly of our veterans, we talk a lot about veterans. Um, our law enforcement community, you know, firefighters as well. These folks deal with the worst that society has to offer every day, and then they go back to work the next day. Um, you mentioned you know being a nurse. We have had several emergency room nurses and trauma nurses attend our program because it's that I do my job today. And then I go home to my kids tonight. Um, I've had firefighters talk to me about, uh, you know, we're out there scraping bodies off the ground. And then I have to go back to the station and change my uniform because now I have a pancake breakfast. I have to be a part of there. There's never an opportunity. Police officers the same way. There's never an opportunity to deal with any of this. And, and for us to not at least acknowledge that um, is, you really a disconnection from what they're dealing with and what they're going through. And as churches and as Christians, uh, we have to engage with that. We have to. I muted myself.
1: Amen. (laughs) That is a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Um, I I always, that recalls because there's times when Jesse will call me or, or he'll call, he'll call maybe our, our, our Bob or he'll call my wife. My wife is also a nurse and they will debrief about things because things are overwhelming. Yeah. My wife works in, the, in in the ICU Jesse works in the ER so these are both next level trauma situations and yep. and and we always forget like we forget about police officers like they are the ones that are called when yeah. when society has broken down like sure the, yeah. the, it's yeah. not like they called them before you know before we've gotten to beating each other to death. We called <laughs> them after after right. everything's already right. broken. they're the last ones to show up. Uh, and and our our we have we are doing <laughs> so bothers me so much what we have done to law enforcement, what we have done to uh, the arms, the armed forces, the way we treat these people that is so sad. There's such a disconnect. We want to push everything that's hard and, and we want to push death. We want to push all of this so far away and sanitize it uh, in our culture. And it's 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 a disconnect. It's a big disconnect. So what you guys are doing is phenomenal. Uh, I would I would ask this question. A week seems short though. (laughs) Yeah, I I I do I do do feel like that. I feel like first of all, besides the fact that although I am not. Uh, they do not fall into the criteria. I really want to go um, because it se- it just sounds it seems so
2: amazing to me. Uh, yeah. But even that a week doesn't seem like long enough. How do you guys pack? It sounds this long in? enough to break somebody's. But I mean, how how do you pick up the piece? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, so it's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Actually, we so we uh, in fact, you know, it's funny. Kind of aside, um, a friend of mine who is a retired Navy SEAL, um, he came through the program. Then he came in as as an instructor, and he actually sits on our board. He said the CIA needs to adopt this program because you can break anybody in just a couple of days. This is, this should be the program, the interrogation (laughs) program. Um, But yeah, we will, we sometimes say what we do is we take five days to back people into a corner where they have to make a decision. And, And really it's about that. I mean, we have a few days to communicate truth and to push people to a place where they have to deal with that truth. They have to respond to it and make a decision and on the other side of that, though, is where, you know, really the heavy lifting is. <clears throat> we do a few things to help. Um, it, we have mentors who are part of our programs that will keep in touch with graduates. Um, for the first six months, it's every week. And then it, it expands outside of that. But we keep in touch with them. It's ongoing. We work with the Biblical Counseling Coalition and others to provide biblical counseling, whether it's for the individual or for uh, a couple, you know, often a man will come and he'll say, my wife and I, we need we need counselors uh, or counsel. So we have made arrangements with a couple of organizations who provide that free of charge to our graduates. And that's, you know, one-on-one biblical counseling wherever they live. So we make that available to them. Uh, we work with other organizations who, who kind of do long-term, um, you know, care. I don't like that word, but, um, they'll work with them. There's a, an organization called reboot combat recovery that does local church programs similar to what we do over a week. They do over a year. And so we do our very, very best to connect our graduates after that week with the resources that they need to continue making progress. And, um, yeah, the aftercare piece is, is absolutely essential to continued growth. Uh, But then it's basic, right? I mean, pulling all of that back, when someone leaves our program, we say you need to do four things. (laughs) There's the four Bs, that's what we call them. You need to be in the word, that is in the word of God. You need to be in prayer and communion with God. You need to be in church and you need to be in fellowship uh, with a mentor, we call them corner men, but fellowship. So if you're in the word and you're in prayer and you're in a good church, and we also during the week, will help people get connected to churches if they're not one. We'll even make that arrangement for them a men's pastor or whatever on the other side, will know they're coming. We have people during the week that will help them do that in their hometown. So you're in prayer, you're in the word, you're in a church community and you have that mentor in your life. Um, If you have those four rails in your life, you're going to do fine, but we'll also help you find counselors and the other things you need as well.
1: One of the things I was thinking also about the week is you're talking about, we're talking about hardened people that have seen and done things that are really yeah. hard and getting them to commit to something like this for, for a longer length of time, seems like it would even be difficult. So to be able to focus it into a week really makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Um, and and again, it is, it is almost, it's not breaking down per se, but it it is that process. Right. And the reason we hold the standards we do for our instructors, they've, they've all been in the military um, currently I think all but one or two of our instructors on the men's side for sure are combat veterans. So these folks are people that if you saw them out on the street, you might think I can't have a conversation with them, but those are our people <laughs> and there's nothing that they can say that's going to scare me or push me off. And the people standing up and teaching the class, will look at them and go, I know what you're going through. Cause I was there. I sat on the couch right where you're sitting. Mm-hmm. I went through this program. Um, I learned this, this is what happened in my life and here we are. So uh, it, it's, it's unique, even in structure that allows us to move through these concepts and the teaching so quickly.
1: That's excellent. Well, I mean, that's the reality of the testimony, why God calls us to
0: share yep. our testimony yep. and
1: communicate our testimony, yep. because it's a piece that God's given us right. to give the gospel, which, which in this, in this case, you're literally putting, um, you're matching same to same, right? You're saying yeah. this is someone who look, look, this isn't impossible because I know it's not impossible. Yeah, right, right, right. And because right. and, on the near side, on the near side of trauma, it feels impossible. Mm-hmm. And you look at somebody who actually can say, no, I'm on the far side now, and I'm yep. telling you, you can get here.
0: That's exactly um, right.
1: That's, that's, you, it, it's really cool. You, the the way you guys have really developed this uh, has is something that really kind of, it kind of blows my mind. And I, I I'm also not one that, like, I understand, like, you guys have done this over time. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying, Hey, you guys figured it out of the ball. You guys, just yeah, came. yeah,
0: no, it took a long time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but what, the, what you guys have done really, every time i I start to think about it, I'm like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. That makes it, that's a great concept. I love, I love that. Um, so how does, do you have, now this is, this might be a real basic question, but you said you do offer the same. Obviously it's a the program for men and women. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, is that simultaneously? Is that two locations? Do you have women counselors for the women? Like, how does that, yep. how does that work?
0: Yeah. So we run um, basically this year, we'll run 35 weeks of programs. So that's five, 35 sessions. We have five locations across the country. So that happens a- almost every week, not quite, but almost every week, there's a program going on and um, that can be a men's program or a women's program. Uh, just because of the math, we have fewer women's programs right now than we have men's programs. But uh, this year, I, I think the number is six uh, women's programs or sessions where the women will go to one of the locations. Um, this week, they're up in Northern California at the ranch that we have in Northern California. They're spending the week there together. All of the instructors have come through the program, just like on the men's side. Um, it's a little bit different. The mix will be a little bit different. Since we include spouses, we have a couple of men who are the spouse that attend our men's program. It's been very rare. But on the women's side, um, you know, it's probably, it's not exactly a third, but a third will be spouses and we'll have some veterans and some service members and some first responders. So it's a really good mix. It's a different mix though with the women um, and our team would reflect that as well. So you've got spouses, you've got veterans and service members and first responders who are on the team. But again, they've all come through the program and um, gone through the leadership training and are teaching the classes. The classes aren't exactly the same. Um, it, it does, it's not a mirror program, but it's, it's the same format. It's five days. Um, it's classes that talk about, you know, we'll talk about biblical manhood. They talk about what it means to be a biblical, a biblical woman um, and what that looks like. So they'll spend time on, you know, being a spouse and uh, some of the marriage aspects of the roles in marriage and those kind of things. And so uh, definitely focused on being a woman, but the great thing about that program in particular is it has nothing to do with where you served or if you served or if you're a spouse or whatever. Uh, really, the baseline is, thank you for coming. This week, we're going to talk to you about being the woman that God created you to be. Hmm. And we're going to work through that together. So regardless of what brought you here, we're all the same. We're women. <laughs> and I know that's a, a strange concept today, right? But um, we're <laughs> when women. You, what do you, and so what we're going to...
1: What is a woman?
0: What is a woman? Yeah, so that's that's kind of the baseline is, you know, we're women. We're going to teach you or talk to you about how to be the women God created you to be and, and go from there. So, um, yeah, it's been, man, it's been hard to develop that program. My wife is our women's director. Uh, that has not been an easy thing at all. There's, the, there's a reason there's basically one program like that in the country. I don't know of another one uh, on the women's side. Um, it's been so hard, but they've got a great program and they've really worked to develop it.
1: That's awesome. I mean, let's be honest: women feel hard when they feel. They feel <laughs> hard. Uh, so that definitely does sound like it yeah. would be very unique to. It would have its own unique set. Yeah. Uh, of, let's say, troubleshooting
0: problems. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a, man, it's been a different beast for sure. But um, but it's it's been very good. Yeah, I'm really thankful for it. So when you
1: when you say all of your counselors are graduates, is there what's the next track to get you to be a a counselor? It's like, how do, how do you go from? Yeah. I'm assuming there's more than just, oh, hey, you did a week. So now you're now you're a, a counselor. I'm assuming there's actually a, 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 pro, yeah. a training program. Of yeah, it's sort. a pretty
0: robust process, actually. So you attend as a student and you have the opportunity at the end of the week on your evaluation form to say, I'd, I'd like to come back as a as a team leader. Um, so you acknowledge that the uh, team leaders that are there that week, along with the program facilitator, the person who's managing that program that week, get together at the end of the week. They go through the names of people that would like to move on, and they kind of thumbs up or thumbs down, you know, based on how they did in their program, or in their in their sessions. Um, then we'll invite them back for what we call phase one of leadership training, which is them coming back to another week, but shadowing or following one of our team leaders for the week. Um, and they're just kind of around phase two of that is them actually teaching a class and leading a couple of the breakouts. And then on the other side of that is them coming back as a team leader where they're teaching and leading. In the process of that, though, someone who's moving through that process, um, we have a, a pretty robust leadership training process, several books they need to read, and you know a lot of things they need to do along the way. We have a, a a manager who manages that that whole process and that whole team. So I think I just saw the roster yesterday. I think we have 59 people who um, are in our our pool of people who can can teach and are growing through that. So yeah, it's uh, that that's probably probably we've we've done a lot of things right. We've done a lot of things wrong, but we've done a lot of things right. I think probably the thing we've done the most right though is that we've identified we don't want to bring people who haven't been through this. Um, so everyone who stands up in front of people who leads has come as a student they came broken they came because they needed help god worked in their lives and we've been able to disciple them through to a place where they can now invest in others
1: it's funny cuz that's my philosophy of pastors actually uh i i don't know why we've decided that you can yeah, send yeah. you can send a, you can send a a young human away to a a place and hmm. then from there, they pick where they go to be a pastor <laughs> because they have a piece right. of paper now, as opposed to being raised yeah. up in the church and called by God and acknowledged by a body. But that's neither here nor there.
0: <laughs> so it makes uh, perfect I, sense I'm to I'm with me. you on that, 100%. We could, we could do a whole podcast about oh my, that so sometimes. So true.
1: But, I mean, ironically, you're following what I would call a very biblical method for leadership. Uh, that's that's 100% on <laughs> It's ironically how spot-on mm-hmm. that is in the idea of calling out a biblical leader to right. lead inside of an organization. So check <laughs> as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Um, this is phenomenal. So here's here's the probably, the probably the most important question, I think, for everybody listening. You're doing all this without a cost to those that are in, attending. So how do you pull that off? Do you have a printing press in the basement at hq I wish we
0: did i wish we had a basement but if we had one i would hope there would be a printing press in it amen um, yeah we i'll tell you we've uh, from the very beginning we've had tremendous support and we spend a lot of time and effort uh, you know raising money and doing that so that we can pay the cost of the program uh, which is not inexpensive um, our biggest single budget item every year is travel um, we're buying, you know, this year we'll buy. Well, man, with our students and our team, fifteen hundred airline tickets, something like that. And I heard, um, I've heard
1: they've gone up a little bit. Is that? Yeah, heard, they yeah. have
0: gone. Man, have they gone up? It's gotten crazy. So uh, we'll do that, and then you know all of the logistics that go into the rest of it. And the reason we're able to do that is because uh, of great supporters. We we several years ago we would fight over this. Um, <laughs> it it was just kind of this ongoing argument that would come up about people need to have skin in the game and we shouldn't pay for everything. And you know, normal, I think valid arguments. The problem is we still with everything we do have people who like won't get on the plane. Um, will drop out the last day. And if we then impose something else on people that need help, but don't want it, there's no way we're going to get them to attend the program. So we've just decided we'll do the hard work of raising the money and we'll cover the cost. And, um, God continues to bless us. So yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, it's it's not it's not super deep. We just we just had to remove every obstacle and and money was a big one. That's I mean <laughs>
1: Yeah, money does tend to be uh, uh, something that is an obstacle for, for a lot of people. It things. is
0: an obstacle, particularly if you don't want to spend it, right? Yes. Uh, yes I mean, absolutely. we'll spend money on all kinds of stuff, but if I don't want it, I don't want it. But so, well, nowadays,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm less inclined to spend money on anything, what with inflation. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you know sure. what? I don't think I need to spend it. Because yeah. like last year, this was like 30% cheaper, and I just right. I can't I, right. I can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like gas. I'm not buying that anymore. Forget that <laughs> gas stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, how can I guess? I guess it's, there's more information here. At some point, I just want to have like you and our friend John Cooper on, and I want like I want a session of uh, you know stories from the field and their <laughs> and the application to life. Like I just want to I just want to yeah. hear these stories, like because I know you you give us one brief glimpse into a firefight that really awakened you to the sovereignty of God, and I just want to hear them all. And I know I know our friend John Cooper has so many of them, and I just want to like I want I want to sit down and hear them. But that's neither here nor there. That's a different podcast. How can <laughs> how can people connect with you guys yeah. with the Mighty Oaks Foundation? Uh, you you and Chad, the work you guys are doing over there.
0: Yeah, the easiest way to connect with us is just through our website, Mighty Oaks Programs.org, Mighty Oaks uh, that is that's everything for us. There is a place, um, if you're looking at the homepage, I think it's the leftmost tab. Um talked about our programs. There's a place to apply. You apply. That application goes off. Our team will get it and we'll begin doing the process or going through the process of getting you set up in a, in a program. Um, so apply that's there. Um, on the other side, there is a place where you can support financially. And again, it takes a lot of folks who are supporting to make it happen. And so if that's, you know, something that God's laid on your heart, I would encourage you to look at that as well. Um, and then we just have tons of resources. We have a, a tab there it's called watch. And I think that's what the tab is called it's Just watch. And if you click that tab, all of the videos that we've produced from various podcasts and other content that we've done, you'll find that there. Those can be, you know, serve as great resources for people that you know, that need help. And then we have a store there, a lot of things in the store, but, um, our resources, uh, a little book that we wrote called the path to resiliency talks about spiritual resiliency, another book, the truth about PTSD, uh, a little book, you know, little it's also i mean small but it's also not very wordy it's supposed to be just very simple read those are there um i've written a couple books chad has written a couple books and those are there as well as resources so org. you can also find our socials and all that stuff all linked out from there so start there and, and you'll find the rest of it
1: yeah you got you got great titles march or die an unfair advantage uh i mean the shirts look phenomenal i'm just saying I, only, only because i'm doing this right now because this is this is exactly why i who doesn't like to buy things right we yeah. just talked about spending money we love to spend money on things uh oh dude patches are you kidding me all right anyway uh definitely get over you definitely should head over uh to to org. and he all the t- by the way great job you were accurate on all the tabs uh, so you, wow. you have uh, yeah, i was you just have.
0: guessing i didn't think anybody would be looking so no, I, uh, no
1: you got to apply to the, apply yeah, to yeah. the far right donate right next to that watch is the tab that links you to the to the media so you're doing nice. great uh man. it's like oh man it's like you've done this before honestly <laughs> you, you, almost like you're a professional
0: uh, i wouldn't go that far i would not go that far <laughs>
1: um so being being uh supportive through donations i definitely would encourage you guys if you if you have someone who who you know would benefit for something like this, not only connecting them to the apply, but also uh, donating is is super important. Uh, as, as two brothers who pretty much only do things to give stuff away, uh, the idea of having to do... The, it, even Look, even if you're going to go over there, maybe you're like, I don't know if I can donate, but come on, you can definitely justify buying a shirt. Come on, everybody can justify buying a T-shirt, <laughs> right? That's what...
2: People should be willing to buy a T-shirt. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. You, <laughs> you, you know, buy buy a book. Come on, you like to read, uh, and who want you, you want the tangible paper? Buy
0: buy a book. Well, yeah, um, the books are great. The books tell the stories too. The story that I told you briefly is in that book, March or Die, and and you know, all of it is with the focus of helping people move forward. So that's all our resources are for.
1: Yeah. All right. So random question: Do you do you actually give your your counselors wooden swords because that's phenomenal
0: i'm just not scared. our counselors but our graduates so when someone graduates they get one of those wooden uh rutuses, and uh there's a story behind that as well but that is the graduation gift yes it is yeah, i
2: think it'd be a little awkward if only the counselors had swords and you're like, <laughs> <You're
0: walking laughs> well, i didn't know that. if
2: these were right. people who graduated the counseling steps the, the
1: three phases of the counseling scenario or if these were just straight up yeah, graduates that's, that's, no, awesome. that's, uh,
0: that's yeah you graduate from the from a session as a student that's that's the gift we give you has your name on it and then your branch of service and you know anything special you may have done may also be on there so yeah it's been been pretty neat
1: everything you're doing in in this is like you're doing it excellently i just love that so much and i mean again again i'm going to acknowledge you know you've had what 11 years now to it's it's
0: taken a long time to get there we still still struggle with stuff yeah
1: (laughs) But uh, man, it is it is impressive stuff. So if nothing else, people just go over and check it out, and uh, I'm sure you will you will see what I am saying, because uh, it is it's phenomenal. Um, I I can't think of anything else. No,
2: that was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, you walked uh, tonight I definitely walked away with a lot of uh, a lot to think about, uh, just in applying things to my own life. Um, and and I I do want to say every time I'm hearing one of the testimonies I'm like, man, I really need to go to this. I wait, no, it's not for me. It's not for me. Uh, and every time I think that the reality is, uh, someone else needs it. So let's, Mm. let's consider how to support what, what is a phenomenal, a phenomenal ministry to those who have served. Um, I, I, am super thankful for your time tonight, Jeremy. And, uh, and don't be surprised if you get an email for us to, to come on and do, uh, do some other stuff here.
0: Yeah. I mean, what well, with your, thank you. I appreciate it. No, it's awesome. It's great to talk to you guys. I, I appreciate that you care enough <laughs> to take an hour to, to do this because it's, it's just so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: It is uh it is truly our pleasure. And I, when I say that, I, I don't mean like, chick-fil-a where they have to say that like i mean like <laughs> not where they have the lord's chicken i mean like it is truly our pleasure sure. uh this is this is what we love we love to do uh to be able to minister to uh those that are are serving the body in in so many different ways and the, iron, the irony here is you're literally evangelism that's what you're doing yep. <laughs> you're right. evangelizing the those that are that are hurting towards christ and that is awesome Well, I mean, as we come to the end of this, I know that what Jesse really is hoping that we would say is the same thing we say to end every Carpe Fide podcast, and that is that we hope this day, Christian, you would seize seize the faith. faith.